Hi, my name is Shelley Eberly, and I work alongside Melanie and Suzanne on the women's ministry team here at Christ Presbyterian Church. For the past seven weeks, we've been learning the heart of Jesus as we study his encounters with people throughout the Gospels. And it's my privilege to continue with you today as we begin our three-week extension for Tuesday morning Bible study groups. Today we are looking at John 7, 53 through 8, 11, where Jesus encounters a woman caught in adultery. The story begins with Jesus teaching at the temple early in the morning, and the text implies that a fairly large crowd has gathered to listen. As he's teaching, the religious leaders bring him a woman who's been caught red-handed in the act of adultery. They place her in the middle of the crowd, announce her adultery for everyone to hear, and ask Jesus whether or not she should be stoned according to the law of Moses. Think about this for a moment. These men were religious teachers, meaning they were supposed to care for the people by leading them in the ways of God. Yet, care for this woman seems to be the furthest thing from their minds. They drag her to Jesus in a very public display and announce her sin in front of a large crowd of people gathered there for worship. It's a scene of total humiliation. Their only real desire is to test Jesus and to try and trap him in his words. Notice they reference the law of Moses, which Jesus would have been quite familiar with, but they leave part of it out. They say, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. But what the law actually says in Exodus 20.10 is, if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. Where is the man in this scenario? If she was caught in the act, the man would have surely been there too. But the fact that they bring only her proves that they are far more interested in testing Jesus than in actually upholding the law. Without knowing the rest of the story, it would seem that Jesus faces a real dilemma here. If he says she should be pardoned, the Jewish leaders can say that he doesn't uphold God's law. If he says she should be stoned, they can paint him as being merciless rather than a friend of sinners. Moreover, the Romans, who were in power at the time, reserved the right of capital punishment exclusively for themselves. So if Jesus incites a stoning, they can accuse him of rebelling against Roman authority. But Jesus, being perfect in wisdom, will not be trapped by such schemes. He bends down and begins to write in the dirt with his finger. It may seem like an odd response, but Jesus is about to demonstrate something profound. Think back to the book of Exodus, when God himself writes the law on stone tablets and gives them to Moses. This is a story the Jewish leaders would have been very familiar with, and probably the first one to come to mind as they watched Jesus write in the dirt. Though we're not told exactly what he wrote, the point is to cause everyone there to remember their own worst sin and moral failure, the ways that they too have broken God's law. Finally, he stands and says very simply, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Imagine yourself present that day. Imagine witnessing this entire scenario with the woman and then through the actions of Jesus, being reminded of the righteous requirements of God's law. You might ask yourself, what hidden sin am I most ashamed of as I look back on my own life? I can certainly think of a few that I would not want announced before a great crowd of people. The point here is not to create shame, but to cultivate humility and reflect when we, like the religious leaders in the story, are tempted to focus on the ways in which other people have broken God's law. Matthew 7, 3-5 says, Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, 
when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus is using hyperbole, as he often does, to teach us that relative to the sins of others, our own sin should seem like a log, while the others should seem like a speck. God wants us to consider our own sin and our own hearts before him. It's all too easy for us to forget how much we've been forgiven and how much sin once stood against us. Someone might say, well, I may tell white lies occasionally or cheat on my taxes or do personal things while I'm at work, but I've never committed adultery or murder. James defeats this idea when he says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who shows no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James is saying here that whoever fails in just one point of the law, even something as seemingly insignificant as showing partiality, which, let's be honest, we've all done, has become guilty of breaking the entire law. Therefore, we are all in need of God's mercy. And through the sacrifice of Christ that resulted in us receiving pardon, we've received it. So we are to act as those who have been shown great mercy and so extend that mercy to others. Now certainly, there is a time to call out our brothers and sisters in love when the goal is restoration and reconciliation, but this is not what we're talking about. This is about the condemnation of others, which we are never called to do, and especially not toward those outside the faith. Most of us know John 3.16, but perhaps few of us could quote John 3.17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. When we look at the world today, there's a lot of condemnation going around. And sadly, Christians are all too often a part of it, sometimes initiating it. But if Jesus himself did not come to condemn the world, how much less should we condemn the world? Rather, he came to save the world by being the only one who ever actually kept God's law, and he died on our behalf as the perfect substitute. While we cannot save the world, we can point people to Jesus who can by imitating him through the power of the Holy Spirit. My favorite part of this story is Jesus' closing words to the woman. After everyone has walked away and only he and she are left, he asked her, has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Scott Saul says, the order of these two sentences is everything. Reverse the order of these two sentences and you'll lose Christianity. Jesus does not first ask her to stop sinning and clean herself up. That is what the Pharisees expected. Rather, Jesus removes her guilt and makes her a new creation. Then he empowers her to leave her life of sin and follow him by faith. This is the life that we also have been invited into. 
and it is the life into which we are to invite others. May the world around us see less of us and more of Jesus as we seek to imitate him more and more. Let's pray. God, we praise you and we thank you for the great mercy that you have shown to us. Like the woman in this story, God, we did not deserve your mercy, but you gave it. Moreover, you yourself fulfilled the law and became our perfect substitute and took the punishment that we deserved. May we not forget that. and May it humble us and fill us with gratitude that we can, may love you more and love those around us more. We love you, and in your name we pray. Amen.